Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. The uh, title of the talk is Anchoring Our Wisdom, Embodied Awareness. The word mindfulness is the, is the one that's most associated with our, our practice, um, the Vipassana practice, or insight meditation, mindfulness. And uh, a lot of attention or focus seems to be on training the mind. And in the uh, in Sanskrit and Pali, the word chitta, which is often translated as mind, is also uh, translated as heart. Um, but um, sometimes it can be overlooked that the body is a central not only central part of the teachings, um, and I wanted to first share a few uh, teachings directly from the Buddha before getting into um, what I personally wanted to share about practice within the body. This is the Buddha. There is one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced leads to deep spiritual intention, to peace, to mindfulness and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here and now, and to the culmination of wisdom and awakening. And what is that one thing? It is mindfulness centered on the body. If the body is not cultivated, the mind cannot be cultivated. If the body is cultivated, then the mind can be cultivated. You might be wondering, what does that mean to cultivate the body? Does it mean regularly work out? And uh, and of course, we all know that's a very good thing to do. Uh, But uh, the Buddha is not talking about working out here. Actually, I, I can't recall anywhere in the Pali Canon that he talks about working out. And it, it, it probably would, wouldn't be a bad thing if it could have been inserted somewhere. But, um, but he is talking about awareness of the body, being embodied. <clears throat> he says in, in another uh, famous teaching, within this very fathom-long body, a fathom is six feet. I always think, whenever I hear the word fathom, I think of when I was a kid, there was this great monster movie, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Uh, I can't help it, I just kind of go there. But anyway, six feet, give or take like a foot and a half standard deviation, that pretty much covers us. In this fathom-long body, with its perceptions and inner sense, lies the world, the cause of the world, the cessation of the world, and the path leading to the cessation of the world. And when he says the cessation of the world, he's talking about uh, samsara uh, and about how we can we create our suffering and it's possible to be free of our suffering. The world that is created in our minds and in our hearts. 
This is Ajahn Chah, uh, one of the great masters, Jack Cornfield's uh, primary teacher, Ajahn Sumedho and Ajahn uh, uh, Amaro, Ajahn Suchito's uh, primary teacher, Ajahn Chah, who uh, passed away. Uh, and in the Satipatthana Sutta, uh, the, the discourse upon which all of um, insight meditation, Buddhist meditation, is based, um, the four foundations of mindfulness, uh, where the Buddha says there is one most wonderful or one most direct way to overcome sorrow, lamentation, and grief, anxiety, pain, and despair, and realize the highest happiness, and that is the establishment of mindfulness. And the first of these four foundations is mindfulness of the body. He says, starting with the breath, it's very comprehensive, that first foundation, starting with the breath, feel the breath within the body. Then he says, contemplate the body within the body. Then he talks about the different postures, whatever posture you happen to be in, sitting, standing, uh, lying down, uh, or walking, be present for that. Cultivate mindfulness of that. Then cultivate mindfulness of all activities, whether you are eating, or drinking, or chewing, or going to the bathroom, or whatever you're doing, be there for it. That's the basic instruction. And then he has in that same first foundation a series of contemplations about the body going through various stages of decay. And there's these cemetery contemplations where you see, uh, it's not easy to find this in, in Berkeley, or, uh, but you uh, you see a, a body going over time um, in these various stages of decay, and this is this is what we are. This is this is who we are, um, and to um, see see us uh, not enchanted by the packaging, but to see oh, this is what's the temple for our consciousness, and it's impermanent. Um, And then he says to look at this body through the lens of four elements of of earth, of hardness, and and air, vibration, water, cohesion, and um, uh, earth, air, fire, and fire, temperature, and water. So he, he kind of uses the body to deconstruct the this sense of self. So mindfulness of the body is what he starts all of this um, insight meditation practice with. And then the third foundation, as um, many of you know, is mindfulness of mind states and emotions um, But even with that, with the mindfulness of the different mind states, if you've been on a retreat, uh, you know the the key is 
not to get lost in the stories of those mind states, whether it's fear or sadness or joy or loneliness or uh, love or whatever, but to move from the story to actually feel how that emotion is experienced in your body. So you move whatever it is that's triggering it, the fear or the wanting or whatever, is giving you a chance to connect and understand and observe this old companion that's been there since you were a little boy or a little girl. How does anger manifest in this body? How does love manifest in this body? Because it's so easy to get caught in the story to come into the body and feel the energy of that feeling is a very... Um, grounded and illuminating um, exploration. And if you're, uh, you're familiar, the, the basic approach, the word rain is often used that describes this, where you recognize, what am I feeling right now? Oh, this is, this is sadness. Uh, the A is allow, let it be here, just give it permission to be here. And the I in rain is investigate, explore the landscape of how that energy is manifesting in your body and in your, oops, sorry, and in your mind, but particularly starting out getting grounded in your body. And the N is non-identification, which means to see that expression without taking ownership of it. But we, we come into the body to explore our, uh, all the various emotions, the most challenging ones, the most beautiful ones, how are they experienced in the body? As I think most of us also know, that the body stores our experience. It stores all kinds of memories, everything is stored in the body. And as often uh, happens when we experience a really um, traumatic event or situation, that too is stored in the body. And just in the last few years, uh, we've gotten so much more uh, aware of how trauma uh, can be worked in a very skillful way through understanding how the body is holding those, um, those memories and that, that experience, the contraction that can come. And uh, many of the, uh, the teachers uh, have gotten some training in uh, what's called somatic experiencing. Uh, My son Adam, by the way, who is coming here next week, uh, has done a fair amount of training in somatic experiencing. And we had one of the the main teachers come and uh, be with, uh, one of the main somatic experience uh, experiencing teachers come and be with all the Spirit Rock teachers um, uh, about a year and a half ago, a fellow named Steve Hoskinson, uh, and just explaining 
um, the basic ideas of somatic experiencing so that we could have that, um, uh, that perspective or that approach as we work with people because on retreats, things very commonly come up when you're taking the lid off of your experience of, of, of your, all your distraction and uh, the, off of all your experience it's quite common that memories surface and that uh, if held wisely there can be really a, a wonderful healing that can happen but you have to know a little bit about how much and how fast or how slow to go there's a a really um, good video by um, this fellow David Trelevin where he was talking about um, Vipassana practice um, being a, a, a wonderful gateway to open up to these traumatic experiences in the body. But if you go too fast, that can be overwhelming. Or if you don't go enough, you're, you're missing out on, on some very rich experiences. And, and the whole idea of somatic experiencing is knowing just how to open up to those uh, events and be able to resource ourselves so we're not overwhelmed. And you just do it a little, a little at a time um, to, to know that sweet spot. Um, so that we can unearth those places of locked um, holding. Somatic experiencing, by the way, if you're interested in looking further, uh, was developed by uh, a man named Peter Levine, who wrote a couple of uh, really fine books, one called Waking the Tiger, and uh, the, uh, the second one, In an Unspoken Voice. And just to give you a very brief sense of, of his approach, he says that animals out in nature, uh, when they go through a traumatic experience, say they're uh, attacked by another animal, if they survive, at first they're, they're frozen and they're either trying to play dead or somehow they make it through uh, and they're, they're alive but their, their body is completely still. But they don't stay traumatized. What they do, what most animals in the wild do, is when they are safe again, they somehow instinctually know how to shake it all out. They shake it all out and let that um, trauma move through so that it's not held and locked in the body. It's a a brilliant mechanism that nature has supplied them with. Humans haven't figured that out often. So we have a traumatic experience if we knew and sometimes it can happen naturally or spontaneously, how to shake it out or let it move through us like animals in the wild, um, then 
chances are we would not have that locked trauma. But often what happens is we freeze and it gets locked in there for years, for decades, sometimes for a lifetime. Unless there's some real awareness and we know how to, um, how to free that up or we have some guidance in how, how to free that up. Um, but you know we, how you might see something, you might hear something that triggers off a memory or meet somebody that reminds you of a sixth grade bully or reminds you of somebody else that uh, was difficult for you. And without you even knowing it, your body goes into that contraction and it's being held there. Um, so it's kind of uh, brilliant how uh, Peter Levine and the somatic experiencing people have unraveled how this, this works and how the body can be a doorway to, uh, to release of those traumas. And it just so happens that um, the way we're wired up often is that when we have a negative experience it sticks in a way that positive experiences don't. As my, our friend uh, Rick Hansen, who teaches at Spirit Rock and teaches at the uh, Awakening Joy course, uh, says that the brain is Teflon for positive experiences and Velcro for negative experiences. So we have, for instance, hundreds or thousands of, of encounters with, uh, with friendly dogs and we just feel so at ease and loving and our heart opens. But if a dog bites us, it will stick. And many of us, it takes, it takes some re-education, re-educating the body to, uh, to relax because that Velcro has... Uh, has gotten stuck. So given that, that memories are stored in the body, the good news is that it can be used for our advantage. This is not just bad news and how do I undo the the traumas that have been stuck in here. But we have to maybe reverse that Teflon Velcro uh, equation, but if we can, it's it's uh, we can understand how in practice it can be a real ally to see how if we embody, if we anchor our understandings and our very uh, uplifting, inspirational experiences, they can be doorways to our wisdom and awakening. All the the powerful, inspiring memories are stored somewhere in the body and they can be activated if we know how to do it. But often, we don't realize, oh yeah, that happened then and it's gone. Particularly if you're a, 
a Dharma student, oh, don't get attached and just kind of let it go. But our, our senses can be activated in a moment. I'll just, uh, we'll play around with this uh, a little. I'll say a few words. Think about a really delicious peach. Can you taste it? Almost, huh? Juicy, ripe, sweet. Just a word, I said. Oh, and there's a peach. Or a really fragrant rose. Unless you're allergic to roses, you might pick something else. Just, can you smell a rose? Do you remember what a a rose smells like? It's right there. Hearing is a sense door that very powerfully evokes memories and images, particularly the most obvious music. As I was putting some thoughts together, the, the uh, examples that came up, I think I've mentioned it before, I just have to even hear the name Julie Andrews and I start to relax and my heart opens. And there she is, whether it's Sound of Music or My Fair Lady. Ah, And my whole body, I can feel it as I'm saying it right now. Just maybe I'll give you a little contact high. And I'm just... There's that that goodness that gets conveyed through my memory of, of, of hearing and seeing her. Or Pete Seeger is the same way for me. I just think about Pete Seeger and imagine him strumming a banjo and my whole body and my heart opens. Who does that for you? Actually, can take a few comments. Anyone who does that for you can just call it out. Pete Seeger, okay. She's an old folky too. He was special. Mozart. Mozart, yeah. Ah, Van Morrison, yeah. Who? Leonard Cohn. Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah, huh, the Beatles. Of course. Isn't it? It's just hardwired in the, in the memory banks. Or I, another one that, that comes to mind, if I just hear a, a few strands of, uh, or a few notes of uh, Fiddler on the Roof and Zero Mostel, I'm, there I am with my father, and my father is right here with me. Um, isn't that amazing? How we're wired up that way? How does that work? I don't know. But it's all in there. Or the movies that we've seen, both the inspiring movies and, of course, some of the ones that you wish you hadn't paid your 
$10 or whatever it is, $11.50 now or whatever, and you have an image and it's in your mind and you can't get it out. But also the beautiful images that that touch us and, and move us. And the same is true of our insights. Particularly if you have... Uh, gone on retreat where the the mind becomes very spacious and open and there's the armoring is down and we can be touched in a very profound way that sticks that moves us that that opens us to a new way of seeing a new way of thinking, a new way, uh, a new perspective. Uh, I've shared in here um, uh, before, uh, for me, um, it sounds kind of silly, but one of my most profound moments in all of my meditation experience was sitting in a dining room, in the dining room at uh, Insight Meditation Society, and stirring a cup of caffix. And as I looked at that caffix, and I saw all the bubbles coming together and separating, I was seeing world systems from uh, galaxies and galaxies swirling around each other, to atoms, to everything just coming together and then coming apart. And my, probably my, one of my most um, meaningful insights into impermanence was right there. And when I, even now, just talking about being there, I'm, my body remembers that understanding. So if that can happen with a cup of caffix, it can happen anywhere, right? It's, it's not that you have to have this magic, blissful, unbelievable meditation where there's pristine consciousness. It's just you being present for life revealing itself to you. Or walking in the walking room at, uh, at, at IMS and just seeing the selfless nature of of reality. It's all stored in here. And mindfulness, as Rick Hansen, again, he says, mindfulness, when you're very present, it is uh, both a spotlight and a vacuum as far as the grooves in our brain. It highlights what's usually not very impressionable or impactful, you see it clearly, that's the spotlight, and the vacuum, it deepens grooves, neural pathways in our brain that are there and can be accessed. The Buddha in his teaching on wise effort, says, 
not only to guard against unwholesome states and learn to overcome them, but to cultivate wholesome states and when they're here, to maintain and increase those wholesome states. And the way to maintain and increase wholesome states of loving kindness, of compassion, of, of clarity, is to be very present for them. Because when you're present for them, there's the spotlight and there's the vacuum. And it, it is etched in your heart. <clears throat> and when you do this frequently, when you do have an experience without grasping at it, but just being very present for it, you start to incline your mind in that direction. The, uh, a wonderful teaching from the Buddha, he says, whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of their mind. So when you can let an understanding, a deep insight, really register and frequently reflect on it, frequently allow it to arise in your consciousness, not with grasping, but just with opening to that channel and that perspective, it becomes more and more a place of home for you. So wisdom can actually be stored and accessed. Oftentimes, when people come in on retreat and they come to uh, an interview and they've had some new understanding and they're sharing about it and they'll say something like, you know, there I was walking down the hill towards the, towards the dining room for lunch and I took a step and I saw how empty everything was. You know? And it's more than just words when I'm getting a transmission. There they are talking about it and I'm kind of getting, whoa, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with them because there's something that they're tapping into that they're communicating to me. And they might say, oh, well, yeah, but that was yesterday. I know, don't get attached and all. And I'll say, no, hold on, let's go back there because I just got a hit of it from you. Let's just hang out there for a few moments. Go back and close your eyes. Just remember taking that step. And all they often need to do is just remember taking that step and there they are again, right in the middle of it. And I, as I um, caution them, don't try to recreate the intensity. Don't try to go for bells and whistles or anything more than it is Just remember. Simply remember. And as you remember and you revisit it without grasping, but just remember the sweetness of that or the profundity of it. It's like you're you're pre-programming the dial in your heart. You know, like you program 
the radio station if you if you drive and uh, and and have your your stations set up and then when you press it in finally it goes beep or whatever it goes in your car you know and there it is every time you touch that button mm yeah there it is you know sports station or you know KQED or whatever it is it's the same way you can pre-program you can uh, have access to that wisdom by just honoring and remembering what's been touched the tibetans have a uh, a name for this they these are called triggers that activate your wisdom or as uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes he has this line that I love uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes the uh, the uh, supreme court justice and uh, renaissance man he says um, a mind stretched by a new idea will not shrink back to its original dimensions a mind stretched by a new idea will not shrink back to its original dimensions that you might forget you might say oh yeah my my mind shrinks back a lot yeah but even if you forget it's in there someplace and the key is just like Julie Andrews or the Beatles or whatever to remember that channel and remember that's real especially when you know your body just relaxes and opens to the the truth of it so uh just want to uh ask us to uh play around with this a little in our uh in your own consciousness and uh first reflect on um an experience that invites safety for you where have you felt really safe this is the first line in the metta practice may i be safe from inner and outer harm and just think of the safest place that comes to your mind comes to your heart and as you recall it or invite it just let yourself relax in that it helps to close your eyes so you really aren't so visually distracted um just let yourself feel that where have you felt safe or around perhaps somebody and as you uh, recall that just wish that for yourself may i be safe from all harm 
And just relax into it. And whatever your experience is fine. If it's not quite clicking, that's okay. No, no judgment. Okay, and now take a breath. And first we'll play around with a few different mind states and then we'll maybe explore some insights. Um, When have you felt joy? Or what brings you joy? And if something comes to mind, fill in the picture. Maybe... If you're with somebody, feel their energy or the surroundings or what it feels like or sounds like or looks like. And just remember that feeling. Don't go for bells and whistles. Just remember what brings you joy. Maybe playing with your dog or your cat. And just relax into that memory. Take a breath. And now just invite a feeling of connection. Bring to mind somebody who you really love hanging out with. Again, it can be a a pet or a child if nobody else comes to mind. But if just whoever is there, just imagine they're right here, right in front of you, maybe smiling back at you, happy that you picked them, and just feel that sweet connection that you share. And as you feel that connection, feel it in your body. Let your body delight in the feeling of embodied connection. Don't try too hard. Just relax into it. Okay, and now take another breath. And this time, I'd like you to reflect on some understanding, some insight or new perspective that you've gotten in touch with either through 
your Dharma practice or through experience, some understanding that really had a powerful impact on you. It doesn't have to be necessarily even blissful, but valuable. What have you learned? Pick one thing that you've learned that informs your life. And if there's something insightful through your Dharma practice, then you might remember when it first came to you, where you were, what was going on, Just remember it. Don't need to do anything special than just remember and appreciate that understanding. And as you do, feel how it feels in your body. And just keep in mind that when something impacts you, when you've been touched in a very meaningful way, that it's available to you, let it register. Let your mindfulness really savor it, absorb it. This is how we can um, anchor our wisdom. It's one thing to read something in a book. It's quite another to know for yourself. That's what the Buddha says. When you know for yourself that this leads to happiness and peace, then follow it. Know for yourself this is what we're talking about. Come and see for yourself, the Buddha says in, in, uh, in one of the chants. Ehi pasigo, come and see for yourself. This is how you see for yourself and have what's called verified faith, your own embodied understanding. So um, we can take a, a few minutes to just um, see what comes up from this, if 
anybody wants to either share their own understanding or insight that came in a particular moment or any comments or questions. We just have a few more minutes and then we'll, we'll go. If you can stay, that would be appreciated. <clears throat> Here, wait, wait, wait till the, uh, Andrew's going to come with the... I have a question. Yeah. Um, it's about something that you said you were um, talking about what Rick Hansen had said about why it is that, about the fact that our brains are neurologically kind of, uh, the positives don't stick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, he, did he explain neurologically why that is? What, what goes on there? Uh, yeah, why, why the, uh, the, the positives don't stick as much as the, the negatives. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's this uh, almond-shaped cluster of neurons in our brain called the amygdala, uh, which is um, a, a um, survival mechanism that scans for danger. So... It's, it's a good thing that we have that, but the imprint of a threatening or dangerous experience is really powerful, and it fires up that flight, fight, or freeze uh, syndrome. And that's, and that's also, um, you know, you're getting cortisol shooting through your body and so there's a lot of different things that make it that much more intense. Um, and under stress, when we're stressed, the amygdala fires a lot more. So uh, if you're stress-free, um, that's really wonderful. Then bless everybody around you. Uh, but if you have a lot of stress, we tend to... Uh, ha- it contracts our minds a bit, and so we tend to... Uh, often notice what's what's more negative. I, I read in one study for uh, for many people it takes if you have one sharp encounter, one negative encounter, it takes seven positive encounters to balance it out. On the average, you know, somebody is snaps at you, and it takes seven people saying hi, so nice to see you, to kind of you know come back to, to normal. So cut yourself a little slack if you've been stirred up. Yeah, over here, Lisa. Hi. Um, you had a quote that was something having to do with what you're thinking about becomes the inclination of your mind. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to remember that, and uh, okay. obviously I'm not remembering it. Yeah, from the uh, 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 Majjhima Nikaya number 19, the Buddha says, whatever the practitioner or whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of their mind. Makes sense, doesn't it? You keep on thinking and pondering upon how uh, life is a drag. That's the inclination of your mind. You frequently think and ponder upon how amazingly fortunate you are to be alive. That becomes the inclination of your mind. And this is also held up by, I mentioned this before, what's called a confirmation bias, where as you have particular thought patterns, your brain 
looks or notices what will confirm your outlook and will miss what doesn't. So watch what you, watch your habits of mind. That's a very good incentive to practice being mindful and being kind. So, anything else? Jonas. When you asked us to reflect on a joyful person or a joyful moment, uh-huh. um, I did bring up a place that I, whenever I went to that place, which is a retreat place up in the valley that no longer exists because of the fires that we've mm, had this mm, past week, mm, mm. I immediately thought about that place because that's really has been my sanctuary for the last 20 years. Mm. It does not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's gone. Mm-hmm. But I felt the joy, but immediately I felt a, a, an incredible amount of grief, just like the impermanence of things that we have come to rely on so much, but yeah. in a split of a second, they're just not there. Similar to the experience of death, just, uh, you know, some, a person that you love very much mm-hmm. or a dog that mm-hmm. they're just no longer with us. Yeah, yeah. So there you can, is both the experience of the joy and the understanding of impermanence. You get two for the price of one on, on that one. And it's also not to say that, oh, well, because it's no longer there, that it's gone in here. It's still in here. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about knowing people uh, and then they pass away. It's not like, oh, well, they're no longer a part of me. They're, they're a part of you. And that's the beauty of, of integrating somebody's essence and how they've impacted you, even though they're no longer around you know, like I said, I think about my father. I hear Zero Mostel on Fiddler on the Roof. And it brings joy to my heart, even though he's been gone for a while. So there's a way to, you know, to hold both of those and also to appreciate that uh, it's all impermanent. Yeah, so thank you. Okay, so... Um, Let's close with a short loving kindness. Mm -hmm. And you might, for this week, mm, notice all the beautiful moments in your life. Don't miss them. And really let them register. All it takes is a few moments. Rick Hansen has a formula. He says, if you just, when you're having a, 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 a moment of well-being, Take 30 seconds and let it register. And if you do that six times in a day over a two-week period, you will be noticing a significant shift in your well-being. So uh, change the the Velcro-Teflon formula. And right now, if you're feeling a moment of well-being, be here for it. Here you are in community just sharing some dharma together.
and let yourself delight in this. Nothing that you need to make happen. Just be here. And then wish yourself well. Appreciate your interest in waking up. May I be safe. And may I open up to all the goodness in my life. And share my love well. And then include everybody here and out to include all beings everywhere. May all have safety in their lives. May they all, may all beings open to all the, the goodness inside and share their love well and know the highest happiness. And may our coming here together uh, be of benefit to all beings everywhere. So, thank you very much. Have a great week. Have a great couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah. Hope you enjoy Adam next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.